You realize this, that one of the biggest issues with church today are churches that are meeting in form without power. That have liturgy but have no life. They can go through the practice of faith, but there's no power in the faith. They can have all of the things that accompany communion, but none of the things that help you meet challenge. And I realized in my time with the Lord is that the thing that people need to realize is that God wants you to have an experience with him. Not, 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 not simply to, 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 to come to worship, but to have an experience. Let me, let, me, let me put it another way. There's something about being in relationship with God that every now and then you ought to feel. Uh, uh, you, you, there's some of us who have, who have had great, uh, attendance, but not great attraction. Come on, let me work with it. We, 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 don't, we don't know what it feels like to have grandma's testimony. Grandma used to sing, every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart, I I'll pray. And the reason you don't pray is because you don't feel the spirit. And the reason you don't feel the spirit is you haven't had an experience. What I want to suggest to you today is that Pentecost teaches us that experiential worship is animated by the Holy Spirit. That when you've been in the presence of God, something ought to happen to you. You, you, ought, to, you ought to at least be able to look at your hands and say they look new looked at my feet and they did too. Something ought to be experienced. Now, now please, if you've never been touched by the holy, don't think I'm talking about you. I'm talking to you. Because I want you to have what I have. Because what I have gives me peace in times that I really should be losing my mind. When my anxiety should be at its highest, my prayer life meets the anxious moment. And so the anxiety that would be there is reduced by the presence of God and the confident hope that he is able. Come on, let me, let me, let me see if I can work with you here. 
I want to, I in the next few moments, I want to in the next few moments give you what I consider to be from the text in Acts 4, elucidated in Romans 15 as we just raised. From the text in Acts 4, Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, I want to lift for you what I think are three transformational shifts that take place in the lives of those in the upper room. Let me set the upper room setting for you one more time. These are people who have walked with Jesus in one way or another. These are apostles, now 12 again, after the selection process. These are men and women in a place where they are sequestered, if you will, called to a solemn, sacred assembly by that which is most holy. But at the same time, they enter into that place in their humanity. So when they walk in the door, the persons entering have issues. And matter of fact, be honest, their issues have issues. They're poor. Uh, they're not overly wealthy. They, they, they come from working class people. Many of them have been out of their normal employment status as they followed after Jesus, so they have no savings left. They've entered into this room uh, in, in a hostile environment where they know that they are being looked for because people are looking for the people of the way and those who have followed Jesus. So these folk, in some ways, are broke, busted, and disgusted. But I didn't say that. I just... They're, they're, they're there. And, and, and while they have had these experiences with God, these theophany experiences, this Christophany, if you will, these Christ appearances where Jesus has shown up post-death and has visited them and they've seen some things, they're still where they were physically. And in some ways, while they had enough confidence to go to the room, they had no idea of what would happen in the room. Can I just say this to somebody right now? There's somebody under the sound of my voice for whom I have just described your life right now. You had enough confidence to come to church with no idea of what would happen at church. But you brought yourself the way you were. 
We're dealing with the stuff you're dealing with, dealing with the diagnosis that you have, dealing with your sadness, dealing with your upsetment, dealing with people that don't like you or dislike you for no reason at all, dealing with people who are strange from you, and yet you're trying to love the H-E double hockey sticks out of them, even though you had nothing to do with why they're even mad with you. But at the same time, you came into church this morning, into this upper room experience carrying yourself, carrying your own grief, your own worry, your own woes, your own trials, your own sadness, your own relational issues. You came anyhow. And I want to suggest to you that some of you we're on the edge of quiet desperation, close to the crisis point. Because stuff just keeps happening. Every time I turn around, I get through one mess, new mess come to meet me. I get through one crisis, a new one comes to greet me. I handle one funeral and a new one is being planned. I deal with one sorrow and new sorrows around the corner. I feel like preaching this morning, y'all. And here they are. I want to suggest to you that the first shift is a shift from crisis to confidence. I, I got a whole lot of unpack here from my thinking here. So they, they move from the false self, which, and, and for me, I'm going to describe the false self as all of my fears, my frustrations, and the things that enter my life that would have blocked me from being in God's presence. The false self is, is, now, is now moved into the real self that is the person God intended for me to be because God did not intend for me to be scared of nobody because God did not give me the spirit of fear but the spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind This might be a crisis moment, but I'm about to stand up in my real self. Because my real self has power that my false self don't know nothing about. My false self is ready to run away. My real self is ready to run into. I'm going to preach it anyhow. I'm going to preach it like I feel it. You might as well get ready. Listen here. My false self has me full 
full of insecurities, but my real self is ready to face my insecurities. I'm not going to worry about, am I enough? I have to be enough because I'm all I got. And since God is with me, I've got more than enough. I'm not going to worry about if I'll be accepted. I'm accepted by God, and that's enough for me. If God be for you, who then can be against you? If you don't mind, look at somebody say, neighbor, it's time to face it. You got to face it. You can't fix what you don't face. You can't fix what you don't face. You can't fix what you don't face. You got to face it. Every insecurity, you've got to face it. All of the issues that keep pushing you back, you've got to face it. You can't fix what you don't face. They move from crisis to confidence. By the time they get to moving out that building, they ain't looking at nobody. Y'all, let, let me, let me. You see, you, you need to realize who's sitting in your seat. Because maybe you don't know who's sitting in your seat. Because the person sitting in your seat, touched by the Holy Ghost, is a bad mamma jamma. That's a bad brother. That's a bad sister. In your seat, that person right there, touched by the Holy Ghost, that person right there, that one right there in your seat, the one in your seat, the one holding your hand, that one right there got power. There's a, there's a second shift. It's a shift from confusion to clarity. Whew. Confusion. What are we doing here? We're just waiting. And, and, and Elder Charles, forgive me, but at some point, every believer has got to get ready to wait because if you get ready to wait and you learn how to handle the weight what comes after the weight is so great see deliverance comes after the weight you you missed it went over your head let me say it again sometimes 
God will put you in the waiting room and you will wonder when is my turn. But I came to tell you that God is going to put you in line for the blessing you need because he knows the thoughts that he has for you. He knows the blessings that he has planned for you. And I promise you, in due season, your blessings are coming and the wait will be over and you'll be able to look back over your life and think things over and truly say that you've been blessed and you'll have a testimony. I don't know what's going on in here. I don't know what's happening in here. I don't know where God is right now. I don't know what God is about to do. But I know this much. God's getting ready to do something. And what God's getting ready to do, I'm getting ready to get in the move of God. Excuse me, somebody. I got to have my moment here because I feel... feel an anointing. You might as well throw your hands up and say, let it fall on me. Here, 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 here. They're, they're in the upper room, y'all. I'm going to get them out of there in a minute. I'm gonna get them out of there in a minute. Just let me let me connect this up. I'm gonna get them out of there in a minute. I got I got to get them out of the room, but before I get them out the room, I got to I got to work with them because I got to work on them because they in the room and they're waiting and they're waiting on something to happen for them that's gonna transform them so they can transform the world. But you can't transform the world until you've been transformed yourself. And we can't transform the world through you, through the old way in which you spoke, because your old tongue used to be lying. Your old tongue used to be backbiting. Your old tongue used to gossip. Your old tongue used to stir up wrath. Your old tongue used to talk about people. Your old tongue was used for divers wickedness. But I got a new tongue for you. But just let me touch your mouth with some hot coal first. I need to put the fire fall. Don't ask him, I. Don't ask who will go and who shall we send and not be ready to have the heat put on your mouth so that your mouth can be transformed to speak life when you used to speak death. If God wants you to speak life. Let me, I'm gonna mess with somebody right now. You can get mad at me if you will, but if you're still cussing folk out, still speaking death on people, still wishing that one would die, or still hating on folk, you haven't been touched by the fire. Cause when you've been touched by the fire of the Holy Ghost, you speak life. 
I got to get out of here. Y'all ain't got here, here they are. Here they are. They are. They've been living in their own confusion. And then it got noisy in there. Y'all give me a little noise. It got noisy in there. It got, it got a little noisy. It got so noisy in there that folk outside of the upper room heard the noise in there. Look at somebody say, neighbor, excuse me. Excuse me. I'm a part of the noisy crew. Every now and then I gotta get a little noisy. I gotta get a little noisy. I gotta get a, I gotta get a little noisy. I'm sorry, I gotta I gotta make a little noise, gotta make a little noise, gotta make a little noise, gotta make a little noise. Every now and then I gotta make a little noise, gotta get a And they said, I didn't know what I was waiting for. But this is that. This is that. I, I didn't know what it was going to be like. But this is that. I didn't know how he's going to touch me. But this is that. I didn't know what he was going to do to me. But this is that. I got I to gotta get it. I'm trying to get him out the room. I got to get him out the room. Here, here, here watch this, watch this. So they're there now. They, they, they. These tongues catch hold of some fire. But they don't burn up. They just change up. Can, can, can I put it another way? God, I've got to be a little ebonic, y'all. God ain't trying to kill you. He just trying to change you. And what you have now is that God pushes in on them. And they go to speaking in tongues. Uh, now wait a minute. This ain't 
this is a known tongue. And guess what? Everybody, everybody got tongue. But watch this. Everybody didn't get the same one. According to Acts chapter 2, when they came out, they were speaking in the languages of the people who had arrived for the festival, for the Pentecost. They were speaking in those languages. So everybody didn't have the same tongue, but they had a tongue that was sufficient to speak a word on behalf of the sponsor to people that needed to hear it in their native tongue. I am, so so y'all y'all I did say they were speaking in tongues but they can I help somebody right now I'm speaking in tongues now it happens to be the English tongue probably shaded by an ebonic dialect with a southern drawl <laughs> I'm trying to help somebody. Now, now you, you, I'm, I'm gonna get out of here shortly. I promise you, I'm gonna finish close to on time. Listen, in Genesis 11, verses one through nine, the people were all of one dialect and one tongue, and as they were were there, they thought they would build a tower up unto the heavens. And the Bible says, not me, the word of God. Genesis 11, the Bible says that God looked upon them and their actions as an abomination. And God came down and divided their tongues so that they began to speak in different languages and they dispersed. And this is the explanation of the multiplicity of tongues in the earth realm. Let me help somebody. Here, here in Acts, when the anointing comes, that which divided them in the Old Testament is now used the tongue to unite people into a oneness around one message, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. So that we have a unification. They go now with a new clarity, watch this, and the clarity God gives them allows them to enter into confrontation. Oh man, this is gonna preach in a hailstorm. I got to get out of here. Wait a minute, Ben. 
wait a minute, wait a minute, Bishop, hold on, hold on a second. Why is this a confrontation? Because people like the status quo. And folk don't like change. So whenever change is involved, somebody gonna be mad. But didn't I just say, I ain't scared? I want you to understand something. In your life, whenever change is about to happen, do not be afraid of the confrontation that must precede the change. Because if people are going to get with you and walk with you on the path that God wants you to walk on, sometimes you've got to challenge their assumptions about who you are so that they can see you in the light of where God wants you to be seen. I got to leave y'all, God. This is it. Because I'm going to bless somebody's socks. I'm going to go right into your dough house right now. See, somebody in here, God's got a call on your life. God's got anointing on your life. And I want you to know something. God's already got it worked out. And you don't even have to worry about it. And you just got to go ahead and do what God told you. Because guess what happens? When God has a plan, don't worry about acceptance. Because that's already been paid for. You just do what the Lord told you to do. Can I preach to you? Look at somebody say, he told me to sing. I'm going to sing my song. He told me to speak. I'm going to speak my word. He told me to teach. I'm going to teach for him. Oh, y'all don't get it. He told me to walk, and I'm going to walk in his name. He told me to be healed, and I'm going to walk in divine healing. He told me to prophesy, and I'm going to speak as an oracle of God. And I refuse to be upset and worried about anything. You know, I didn't plan on it. Because I realized that God is getting ready to do something that's going to change the world. And the thing I've got to recognize is I might have to walk in some risk. Notice that they don't even pause after the Holy Spirit hits them. They take a risk and infused by the Holy Ghost, they begin to walk out into the streets. And I thought I'd tell somebody this, it's time for you to take a risk. God's getting ready to do something with you. Don't you be worried. It's risk-taking time. They didn't worry be about rejection because folk may reject you, but when they do, God will open up doors that no man can shut. They might ridicule you, but don't be worried when they ridicule you. They said they were drunk and intoxicated, but call me drunk. I'm drunk in the spirit of God. Look at somebody say, neighbor, I am 
divinely intoxicated. I just need to do one more thing. Reach up your hands to heaven and say, God, I'm ready. Let's go. Now praise him for it. Well, I want God to move. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I feel God's presence in this place. As you can tell, I got something on my mind. I still haven't explained my overflow yet. I'm going to get to it. I promise you I am. Because what happens on the inside of a room spills out into the streets. What happens personally spills out into the public square. And I want to work on this next. Let me go. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for those that have heard it today. We ask that you move. Touch now, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we receive your word, your manifestation of overflow. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to extend the invitation. Maybe there's someone here, everyone standing in the sanctuary at home. If you're there and you don't have a place to worship, I want to extend an invitation. Come join us. If you're here in the sanctuary and you're not a part of the fellowship, you say, I want to be a part of this family, just slip your hands up and the ushers will come over to you right now. They're standing in the doorway looking now. And we will give you a peace and we will talk with you and pray with you and welcome you into our family. If you're online, call us, email us right away and say, I want to be a member of this fellowship. We have been blessed to have people partnering with us all over the country, literally. And I thank God for it. And I want you to know that you are welcome here at Shiloh. I love you all with the love of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's it. Whatever you need. Whatever you need. The heavens are open. Thank you, Lord. His Bless you. You may be seated if you can. Thank you. Let me just invite you now. Prepare your offering. If you're in the sanctuary again and you want to give here, you can do so. If you're online, join us. Givelify, Cash App, or mail it in. If you're in the sanctuary, please give as unto the Lord. Give as best that you can to be a partner with us. I always tell you, don't forget your benevolent giving and your stewardship giving. I want to bless that offering. If you're giving in the sanctuary, I'm going to tell you, on your way out the door, and I shall be at the door, just drop it in the tray. 
We're trying not to do a lot of walking around, but just drop it in the tray. I'm going to bless it now. It's blessed in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for these gifts. We bless you even now as we give our tithes and our offering. We thank you that the word of God has already been preached and that the blessings will flow to us, that we, God, will receive even in the overflow. And we ask that you have your way. Return it to us more than a hundredfold. In Jesus' name, amen.